This podcast is presented by the Bet Parks online casino and sportsbook app. New customers download now and get up to $1,000 in casino bonus back if you're not a winner in your first 24 hours. See BetParks.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 in PA, New Jersey, Maryland, Michigan, or Ohio. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult to Today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation semi annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal too. Schedule a no obligation in home estimate now. Call 866 90 Nation or visit windownation.com. Temp check. What kind of summer are we having this year? A family road trip summer? A beach bum summer? Or a wake me when the sun sets summer? With Instacart, choose your own adventure and skip the shopping side quests. Where available, you can get ice cream delivered to your hotel, sunscreen to the pool, or cold brew to your bed. Well, door, in as fast as 30 minutes. Wherever you find yourself this summer, you can get the goods. Download Instacart for free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Excludes restaurants. Additional terms and fees apply. You're listening to the Go Birds Pod, a radio.com podcast about your beloved birds. What? Nope. What's going on? It is Go Birds Radio, episode 199. I have made the mistake of trying to achieve the vocal highlights that John Bartard can do. In the past, and I've learned from my mistakes, Elliot Short Parks, I'm not doing it again. No, it's just not worth the try, honestly. I think one time I tried it, but again, like, the voice is just too beautiful. And whenever he's not here, you just tell right away. But I'm yeah, so confident. it is what it is. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't want people to hear the beginning of it and be like, ooh, 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 and get excited for it. And then hear, you know, my feeble attempt at trying right. to recreate it. You know, it's like, whatever. That's the point here. Well, the important part is we're here to finally talk some Eagles football, and I'm excited to deep dive into Jamal Adams' rumors. Yeah, I'm excited for this. Uh, obviously, James Seltzer, earlier at Shore Park's coming your way. It is Go Birds episode 199, which is pretty nuts. We're on the cusp of 200 there. Uh, we're going to dive into Jamal Adams in a second. Elliot, uh, how you doing, though? Catching up since uh, last time we spoke. I know. Uh, I'm doing good. I, mean, I guess, you know, obviously. I guess stuff's opening back up, which is... Starting to? Yeah. Starting like, to? But it's a weird thing where it's exciting, but you're also kind of nervous. Not nervous. Uh, terrified? Just, I think I, I would go yeah. terrified. Yeah, it's it's one of those funny things because it is it has created a situation where it's like, you know, naturally we are all like somewhat more afraid of these things we used to take for granted yeah. than we used to be. Like I'm you know, like if I pass by someone closely, I'm like, oh, he was really close to me. Oh, God. Yep. You know, it's just, it, it is a different way of looking How at How long world. do you think it'll be until it's not like it's that? A, it's a great question. It's a great question. So, all the I, NFL season, probably, right? Oh, at least. So, I'm more of like the, I would lean towards like a long time, like a few years. My wife, Emily, is much more of the, oh, people will get back to normal more quickly than you would think type of person. We've discussed this. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to take time, man. Like, I keep saying to her, I'm like, handshakes are done. Like, no one's shaking hands again. She's like, it'll come back. It'll come back. Yeah, so I, so I think it'll come back. I, I think it's basically once the mask comes off. Once yeah, people stop and, wearing masks, I think pretty quickly you'll you'll forget. Now, I think it'll be well, something. Well, here's the big problem, Elliot, is people aren't wearing masks in the first place. <laughs> Wear your mask. What are we doing? 
Yeah. So I was Sorry. I was thinking about this. When you see people out and they have a mask on not covering their nose, do you think oh. they just do you think they just don't know or do you think they're making some type of like this mask is inconveniencing me statement? Yeah, I, well, I as much as I think it also could just be like natural, it's more comfortable below, I can breathe better, like not really thinking about the point of it all, but there you right. know, I walk around the city and I see people with like mask around their necks and they'll walk right by me and I'm like your mask is right there. You could very easily just pull it up on your face. And yeah. of course, so many people who don't wear a mask. I, I just, I here's what I don't understand. I don't understand why it's this big thing. Like, why is wearing a mask, like, political or this or that? Like, just wear a mask. Like, why is it such a big deal if it could potentially help save you or someone else? Like, why wouldn't you do it? Like, even if one person, if you were told, okay, you wearing a mask has the chance, the chance to save one human being's life, wouldn't you just do it? I don't or know. The, it's crazy to me. The, the chance to save the football season. Well, there you like go. All right. Well, yeah. Well, it's true. And I like that. Let's dive into that because we'll get to something with uh, The Athletic with a really interesting report about yeah. how football season could look, which I have a lot of thoughts on. But let's start with Jamal Adams. You mentioned it before. I think it's. Clearly the most relevant news right now, Jamal Adams, of course, uh, one of, if not the best safety in the NFL, one of the best safeties in the NFL, New York Jets, third season in the league, has requested a trade because the Jets have not given him the contract that he is looking for, and he made a list of seven teams, and Elliot, the Eagles are one of those teams on the list. So Not, not where, surprising. Yeah, Well, they're a model organization like yeah. that, but, but where does it stand right now for you with Jamal Adams in a macro sense? So, I mean, on a, a on a macro sense, I was going to say on a large scale, big picture, but on a macro thing, sense, right? <laughs> yes, it sounds better. Um, I would not trade for him. Now, that's not because I don't think he's a great player. That's not so – yeah, I mean, he would make the Eagles' defense better. There's no question about that. I just think it's going to cost too much, and it's not so much the money for me, although the money is a factor. And I – like, when they first started talking about the Eagles' salary cap situation – and then on a larger scale, Adam Schefter said the NFL salary cap situation for the COVID could, because of COVID, could be impacted. Like, I was kind of brushing it off a little, like, all right, that's just being a little alarmist. But it, it, it's real. Like, the salary cap in 2021 is going to be impacted. It's just a matter of how severely. And the fact that the Eagles are already $50 million over, it has to impact how they construct, how they do business. Now, it's possible that Jamal Adams could come here. And I, so I had heard that he didn't want to deal right away. So if maybe he plays a year and then you sign him in 2021, he has a really low cap hit. But regardless, the money to me, the, the combination of the money and the investment, I just don't know if there's a safety in the league that's worth that amount. Of, like, it's not an anti-Jamal Adams thing. I just don't know if I want to pay Jamal Adams $15 million a year and give up a first or second round pick. Elliot, I'm 100% with you. I feel I I do. I feel the same way. And look, I get it. Jamal Adams is a legitimately great football player. And he's like, what, 24, soon to be 25. Yeah. Like, he's a young, great football player. I don't think there's a team in the league that all things considered in a vacuum shouldn't want Jamal Adams on their team. Like he's a, 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 a top notch, top tier type player. But I think you, you hit it on the head. It's that the Eagles in the situation they're in right now from a cap perspective, particularly, but really from both a cap, and a, a cap and a roster perspective, they are not in a position where they can afford to give up the assets, both draft and money, that it would cost to go out and get Jamal Adams and re-sign him to a long-term deal. It's just, 
it's just not the right decision for yeah. that position. Like, again, if Jamal Adams were a 24-year-old, you know, stud edge rusher, all right, maybe you're starting to push me in that direction. Even then, I'm going to say to you, look, I want that guy, but this team is not in a position right now to give up those assets. This team desperately, desperately needs young, cheap talent. Like, desperately, man. And and it comes back to having a draft well and all that type of stuff, but... I just feel like you can't afford to give up the draft picks. You can't afford to sign Jamal. Look, like a team like the Patriots, you know, when do you ever see the Patriots giving a safety or a a guard or this or that? The contract that's the most money in the league at the position. Like, you never see it. You never, ever see it unless it's a cornerback. That's the only position they'll do it with. So it just feels like a, a stretch to me. Let me ask you this. So I thought of two trades, and I wrote about it today on 94bitp.com, but two trades that I would do. And one of them was, I added in a fourth-round pick, but essentially to me, would you just swap Derek Barnett for Jamal Adams straight up? Knowing that you're going to have to pay Jamal Adams is the point. You yeah. Pay Jamal Adams. I, I, yeah, I would do it. Yeah, for sure. I would do that. I think I would too, because I know, and again, the calorie, the salary step, the salary cap stuff is real. All that stuff I agree with. But if you're only giving up Derek Barnett, who maybe he has potential still, I'm, I feel like Barnett is going to be a poor man's Brandon Graham the rest of his career. Like, I don't think he, that, that might even be high. That might even be high end. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think if, if, if you're basically not giving up anything now, their pass rush is also already an issue, but I'm more confident Jamal Adams will be more of an impact player than Barnett was. I think I would consider that. And then, I guess you just have to bite the bullet and pay him, but at least you're having a 24-year-old stud in the second year that you know is really good as opposed to paying Derek Barnett. I think he's getting, what, $9 million this year? It would be the following year. But And then there's a potential of having to pay him. So I think I would do that deal. Let me, let me ask you another one. Would you do a second-round pick straight up? Oh, man. Um, and again, you still have to pay him. So it's really just yeah, second Yeah, I know. Round. I so I think in that situation, like I had in my head when I talked about not wanting to do it, I, I thought of like a first plus the idea of the contract plus whatever else it takes for a second round pick straight up and and figure it out. I would be very tempted. I look, it's not going to get it done, so it doesn't matter. I mean, that's a hypothetical. You think day. so? You think it's going to cost more than a second? I think it'll cost a first round pick to get Jamal Adams on your team. I do. Uh, maybe because of, cause of yeah. the age, because of the age, and because of the fact that look. You have to give him a new contract, but there are still two years left on his rookie deal. So not that you wouldn't have to buy those years out, but you can potentially get those years slightly, you know, in, in all when you look at it in the, you know, the, the holistic <laughs> sense. Then you might get those years a little cheaper because you're buying those years out. You know what I mean? Like when you right. average it all out. So maybe there's a potential for a, a little bit cheaper items for two years of the deal as opposed to the full deal. But um it's a really, like, because that's the thing. I, I think that when you look at the Eagles, they have so many needs, you know, as a football team, especially if we're just going to talk, let's just take the defensive side of the football, and we've talked about this before, but the defensive side of the football and say, all right, we're talking about the future right now. We're talking about where is this defense in three years or four years. There's not a single guy on the defense right now you could say for sure is a a piece you value yeah. four years from now, right? And if you have Jamal Adams, like, that's a dude who you could say, all right, that guy's still going to be a centerpiece of my defense when he's 27. You know what well, I mean? Or 28 or whatever it is. So uh, from that perspective, I can understand it. You know what I mean? So re- really quick, are you tapping a pen or something? No, why? I can hear like a, just like a. 
Wow, that is weird. It just oh, it could have been. I have one headphone in, one headphone out. Is this it? Is it? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So when I was talking to you, I was getting animated. My headphone was tapping against it. You okay, it? that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna put the other <laughs> headphone back in now, so that will not happen again. That's really funny, though. Um, but to your point about the uh, about the fact they might not have a player. I mean, that is very true. I think J- Javon Hargrave is pretty close to that. Yeah. I, mean, I like him a lot. He would be the only one. But you're right. Like Darius Slade, four years. Who knows? I mean, Will Parks. I, he's a question mark, I think, right right now. Yeah, but I'm talking like real, like guys who right now you could say will be a real impact player. Like you can say yeah. for sure in three, four years, that guy's going to be an impact player in the NFL. Like they don't have those guys. On I defense. mean, how many guys do they have on either side of the ball like that? Well, I mean, you would say Wentz, uh, Miles Sanders, Miles, yeah. Lane Johnson. Um, you're right. You're right. You, they, hope, you would hope, right? Well, you would hope. I mean, right? I mean. Jalen Hurts. Um, I was just about to say that. Yeah, for Barchers when they're running yeah. the quarterback <laughs> system. Yes. Now he's not here. We'll do that for him. Yeah. Isaac Sayamalu. How about that? Um, you know, it's a great point in general. Where when you look at, and I think, look, I think that's part of what happens when you have a team that wins the Super Bowl and then you go back to back years, really trying to achieve that goal again and really put all your resources towards 2018 and 2019 and say all right, this is our window. Let's go. I think that when you're looking at it from a 2020 perspective, that's why I was talking before about how important cheap young talent is for them because they do need to replenish that fountain of youth, so to speak. So I'll I'll run through a few more hypothetical trades I was thinking of. One, I just thought of this, and the other one we'll talk because, I mean, people have been talking about Ertz and Goddard. But yeah, all right, I was looking at the roster today of thinking like who they could potentially trade for him. What about Brandon Brooks? Jets need um, offensive line help. Now I mean, old- I mean, I would do it in a second. I just think that with uh, coming off an Achilles tear and the contract extension he got, it just seems like a hard asset to trade right now. Okay. Yeah, I agree. I don't think they would want him, but... If Brandon Brooks had not gotten hurt, it's a much more interesting discussion. But again, you know, then you're t- trading a high-priced guy for someone you're going to pay for. So it comes down to what's the interesting thing with the Ertz discussions, and that's why... Right. I think the Goddard is a less interesting angle on it than the Ertz because both Ertz and Jamal Adams have to get paid. So if nothing else, you can sell it that way. Like just from a pure money allocation standpoint, it's more of a one versus one. You know what I mean? I think trading Ertz for Jamal Adams would be an absolute disaster. I don't, I don't think they're going to do it, but I mean, I think sometimes Ertz is, I don't want to say he's overlooked, but he was the, he's been the number one receiver on this team for like four years. Now I know he doesn't stretch the field like you would want a number one receiver to do, but I'm pretty sure he's leading the team in targets, catches, yards, and touchdowns over the last four years. Like he has been their best offensive player. And I get that Jamal Adams is younger. I don't even think Jamal Adams is more of an impact player. I don't even know if he's better at safety than Ertz is at tight end. They're both elite level players, but I'm not trading a number one type player on my offense for a defensive guy. Like, I'm just not. Like, they're, they're going to go, the Eagles are going to go as far as Wentz takes them, and they are better with Ertz, and he has a better chance of succeeding with Ertz. So I wouldn't trade Ertz straight up. I wouldn't trade him, like, in a package or anything. I would pay Zach Ertz and keep him before I would trade him for Jamal Adams. Yeah, I, so it's funny, because when, when I've thought about this hypothetical, um, I go into it thinking, all right, Jamal Adams is younger. He is going to have a longer tenure of high-level play from yeah. this moment forward. 
if you're going to pay him a similar type of range, um, I think, you know, I agree offense is more important than defense, but I think similar-ish in terms of positional importance. But yet every time I get to that gut check point and I have to say, all right, yeah, yeah, I would trade Hurts for, for Jamal Adams, I can't do it. Mm-hmm. I, I can't get myself there, which tells me in the end that my gut is telling me not to make that trade, even though my brain is trying to tell me to make it. Well, what's interesting too is, I, and I'm guilty of this as well, but certainly a lot of people, like Eagles fans on Twitter and such, like there's an emotional connection you get to players. Like people want Jason Peters back for that emotional connection. Darren Sproles, whenever they re-sign him, people get really excited. There was some of it with Malcolm, I think for sure. Um, Brandon Graham, those type of guys. Like Ertz should be at top of that list as well. I I made a list and we'll talk about it. Who has more big moments than Zach Ertz in an Eagles right. uniform? So, someone tweeted me. I, I made a list and I had Ertz as my my top player. And someone tweeted me. He's just a stat compiler. He has no big moments. I'm like, <laughs> he caught well, the game winning touchdown in the Super Bowl. Like, is there yeah. any bigger moment than catching the game winning touchdown in the Super Bowl? Like in all of sports, I guess maybe. Yeah. A, Game winning yeah, run in the world. Yeah, yeah too, walk but, off home run, whatever. There are moments, but. But I'm just saying, in terms of the Super Bowl being the biggest game in, I mean, the world, I, I mean, maybe the final of the World Cup, but regardless, like, this idea that he's not been one of the best Eagles of all time is silly. I mean, when I came on your show and you guys were talking about who the best, ten, best player on the Eagles has been for the last 10 years, at first I was thinking about it, but then I was like, oh, this answer is easy. It's definitely Zachers. He's never hurt. He's been their best offensive player. He's had huge moments. I mean, he's extremely consistent. He's never really had a down year. Like Fletcher Cox, you could argue, has maybe played at a higher level at certain points, but Cox had a down year last year. Like Ertz has, I think, been the best player over the last 10 years, and I think he's the best player on the team right now. So I would absolutely not trade him. The Goddard thing, if you had asked me two days ago, and this has nothing to do with the video, but if you had asked me two days ago— We'll get to the video, obviously. Yeah. Um, if you had asked me two days ago, I would have said no. Like, I, I, I wouldn't trade him. I don't know now. I like Goddard. I do. But I think, like, sometimes when we think of Goddard, like, he could just step in for Ertz. I don't think he's there yet. Uh, I think what Ertz does is a lot harder than what people think. So I would consider it. I don't think I would ultimately do it, but I would consider trading Goddard straight up for Jamal Adams. Yeah, well, it's interesting because they're both – up for a contract at the same time it's just it looks like jamal adams is obviously going to get one before goddard because he's already complaining about it um but i a hundred percent the whole goddard gets up in for earth thing i and the people there are certain people who are like oh goddard's better than earth like yeah. screw that i'm yeah. sorry like i know dallas goddard's a better blocker than zach Ertz. zach Ertz does things in the past game that that goddard is still not close to like, mm-hmm. Dallas Goddard is a nice receiver. He makes some plays. He's fun when he gets the ball in his hands. Zach Ertz is like an elite, elite receiving tight end. I mean, I mean look at As good mistakes. as it gets at that spot. Look at some of the mistakes Goddard made last year. I, I, you know, he obviously, I think, had a pretty good year overall, but he had the fumble early on against the Cowboys in Dallas. He had the drop, I think it was against the Lions in the uh, corner of the end zone when they were coming back. So, I mean, there's two games right there where, you know, it's not completely his fault, but those are huge plays in that game that could have helped them win. So I still think he's a little bit away from from taking over. But it for me, it would just still lean to I'd rather help the offense than I would the defense. Like, I trust Jim Schwartz enough with what he had that there'll be a, you know, 10th or 11th 
10th, 11th, 12th, something like that, best defense in the league. The Eagles, I think, need help to be a really good offense. We saw that last year. I believe in Doug, and to a certain degree, I believe in Carson, but I just think you need playmakers more on offense than you do on defense. All right, so we're going to get to the Dallas Goddard thing in one second. Uh, I think it's pretty clear where we both stand on on should the Eagles trade for Jamal Adams. Um, last question to you before you move. we move on from the Jamal Adams thing. What is the likelihood in your mind covering the team? Obviously, you don't have any specific inside information on this particular deal, but what do you think the likelihood, if you had to put it into percentage terms or whatever, what do you think the likelihood is that the Eagles actually end up trading for Jamal Adams? 10%, something like that, if that. I mean, look, they didn't trade for DeAndre Hopkins, who I think is, he's a little older, obviously, but he's a bigger need. And, and I think part of the reason they didn't trade for him is just because you would have had to pay him a lot of money. So I think they're in a position where they are not going to be handing out another big-time contract. The only player I think that might get that, other than you know a Zach Ertz extension or something like that, is Yannick Ngakwe. That's the only one I think they would potentially give a long-term deal to. Outside of that, I do not believe they'll be handing out long-term extensions. And I think that's partially because of you know Carson's deal and Fletcher's deal and just the big-time money deals they've handed out but I also believe part of that is because of COVID I mean the cap could drop considerably and they're already in a tough spot so um I think yeah like 15 10 maybe even five like somewhere in there it's not high what about you yeah I I would even put it like five or five ten percent was generally the range I was thinking I I 100% agree with you I just it feels like they're in on everything and a lot of players put them on their lists and all that. But I, I just think that the situation then, and, and also I think it's probably smart that the yeah. situation they're in, like it's just not feasible to make these types of moves happen unless for some reason it's a situation where a player only has a couple teams on his list or something. And you can make, you know, you've got more leverage and you can make a, a low ball offer that works or something or which I don't think is the case with Jamal Adams, or it's a situation where somehow you get into a lucky situation like the DeAndre Hopkins, it appears, trade where a guy is kind of just looking to move somebody and goes to his friends in the league first and, and kind of just gets a deal done. Like, other than that, like, I'm with you. I, well, I, I just think that was money, too. I mean, but like, so I think the only way, I, the only path of this happening, I would say, is if nobody wants to give up a lot for Jamal Adams because he wants a big-time deal, and the Eagles can get him for, like, a third, and then the Eagles are just... Because I think They'll Howie... figure it out. I yeah, agree with you. Howie and Jake Rosenberg will just will just figure it out. Like, I of all the you. front offices, I think they're the best at constructing interesting deals, which, and maybe this is a larger discussion, it is, it is interesting how we think they're some of the best, but they're also $50 million over the cap next year. Yeah, but, no, I've, I've thought about <laughs> that a lot, especially in light of the Alshon thing, which was such a, like, a... It was like the first like wide open in the public Howie disaster from a, a yeah. contract perspective. And I mean, look, I like Brandon Brooks a lot as a player, but that was looking one, like a bad signing, man. Yeah, it's at least I mean, there was no real reason for it. He could have yeah. waited. But um, yeah, so I think the only way it happens is if nobody wants to pay Earl, uh, Earl Thomas. Wow. Freudian slip. There. <laughs> no one wants to pay uh, Jamal Adams what he wants. And so the Eagles are willing to do it. And so that they just get them for a low, a low asset. I think that's the only yeah. way it happens. I agree. And I think that is highly unlikely. I still think yeah. he's going to end up just staying with the jets. If I had to, bet I don't on know, it now. man, I think he ends up on the Cowboys. Oh God. Enough. I think the Cowboys are the only team out there that would say, you know what? We'll just give you a first round pick. It's and then, possible. 
you know, I mean, I think Jerry Jones is all in, quote unquote, whatever. I, I could see that happening. They just got CeeDee Lamb in the first round, so you're probably feeling pretty good about where you're at from a young talent perspective. So I, that's the only way I think. Look, I just, it seems like, like if it's up to Jamal Adams, he'll be a Cowboy. So we'll see how much sure. weight he has in the discussion as well. Um, all right, the Goddard thing. We just mentioned it, uh, you know, not too much to get into here, but um, obviously Dallas Goddard uh, on video gets cold-cocked in a bar. What, are you, what is your kind of thoughts on this whole situation here? I mean, it's fine, obviously. Yeah, it looked like it really hurt, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it looks very un, unfun, not, you know, not pleasant to have happen. I've never been punched in the face, so I don't know what that would be like. But, yeah, I mean, look, he's – it looks like he's out at a bar, right? I know some of the initial speculation was that he was at dinner with his family or something, but he was he was out at a bar, you know, not wearing a mask, if you want to go down that path of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, look, I just, I don't know. I don't, think, I don't think this is like a big red flag in terms of him being out at the bar and getting attacked. I mean, who knows what happened beforehand? I'd imagine he's, what, 24, 25? I mean, you're out there, probably drunk, just like, talking you know i don't know whatever he just got hit it super sucks he's fine that's the end of the thing but i think the mask thing i know is probably where you're going to come in with it well yeah i mean ask dallas i mean it's not you know not too hard just wear a mask but, well but in the in the state of south no Dakota, no i know i know it might not yeah. be it might not be mandated there i'm sure there aren't a lot of cases i don't you know I'm sure I, the eagles didn't love it I, I, look nor should they what he was out at a bar was like one in the morning whatever i mean i don't think anyone's psyched about it but at the same time like you know richie was talking about john richie and he was like you know when you know that's what doug probably told him to do he probably said you know go relax enjoy your time before we really start rolling and and you know be ready to roll i don't uh, i i don't know i don't know if doug had that in mind well, if he no, i don't that. think he's saying go out to a bar at one in the morning obviously but right um look you can't control someone cold cocky i think in general, just, you know, maybe don't be out at a bar at one in the morning is probably the better takeaway if you're, you know, and in training let, camp let me, or whatever. Let me say, as someone that's now 32, like, and I was texting you about this over the weekend, but staying up late just sucks at this point yeah, for me. Like, like I'm, I'm at a point now where, I don't know, even if I'm like out midnight, maybe, and I obviously haven't been out recently, but... It just sucks. Like I'm just at a point where I like getting my sleep. So my advice to Dallas Goddard would be: you think it's fun to be out, and maybe this sounds lame, but just go get a good night's sleep. There's been some good doc uh, documentaries on the History Channel recently. Just just have a good night and relax. Yeah, I got some serious old man texts from Elliot over the weekend. Yeah, you did. You did. Some, why do people ever stay up past 10:30? Like I don't get it. <laughs> like why is that a thing that people do? Just so awful. It was so <laughs> awful. All right, so we both agree Dallas be a little bit smarter, but um, not too concerned about this as a long-term thing. I want to get to this athletic thing because this is um, – I feel like this is going to be a big deal, and, and who knows. If they stick on the path that this athletic article outlines, an article by Daniel Kaplan on The Athletic, um, I think this is the kind of thing that – you know, look, we work in sports radio – this is the kind of thing that I could see being a sports radio topic for, for weeks on end. Like, this is the kind of thing yeah. that has the potential to really be a interesting discussion about competitive fairness and a lot of different things that what we love about sports and all that. Um, so the article, essentially, just to kind of sum it up, the article, the, the title of the article is NFL to allow teams to set varying fan capacity levels when season commences. Um, the idea of the article is that basically that, and, and this is obviously as of now, it's all fluid. We all understand that who knows what's going to happen with COVID and all that. But the idea being that 
there looks like there's a good chance that NFL teams, based on the state they are in, the guidelines for that state, and their own prerogatives, are going to be able to decide how many people they want in the stadium. Like, are we going to be 75% capacity, 50% capacity, 0% capacity at certain places? Like, if they were to try and play football at, I don't know, Florida right now, they would have to not have anyone in the stadium, you know, theoretically, obviously, legally, maybe not, but I think that's heading in that direction. So, like, there are places that are going to be spiking. I mean, there's so many different issues to this. The basic concept, Elliot, the idea that you could theoretically, the Eagles could have back-to-back road games, one in, let's say, Washington, and then the next one in Florida, and they could go to Washington and have a full sta- – uh, bad example. I was going to say a full stadium yeah. of opposing fans. Bad example there. Let, not, not the best example. Not the best, but the idea they could go to one stadium, have a full stadium of opposing fans, go to another, and it be empty, or go home. And face the same team, say, like, let's use the Dallas Cowboys as an example. Who knows? Texas is spiking now, but Texas also has been a little more liberal with certain abilities to go out and this and that. Let's say by the time the season comes and based on where cases is, you know, Dallas says, you know what, we're filling up our stadium, 100% capacity. And the Eagles are saying, you know what, we're not risking that. You know, we're in a big metro area, whatever this is. We're only going to do 50% capacity. We're going to do 25% capacity. Or who knows? Maybe no people. Then you could have a, a, a situation where the Eagles go to Dallas to play against a Dallas Cowboys team with a full stadium or whatever supporting them. And then Dallas comes here and there's no one in that stadium. Elliot, this feels fraught with potential so, issues for the NFL. I think that we need to get the idea of competitive advantage out of our heads for this season. Because the bottom line is the NFL is going to do everything they can they can do to recoup every dollar they might lose from I this. Agree. So if they can have a full stadium in Dallas and that means losing one less you know game of of revenue from a from a from fans coming in, they're going to do that. Like the NFL, they'll maybe pretend to care about the fact that it's a, a competitive advantage, but they just they don't like. And I also think on a larger scale, that's why I think you'll see them play this year and they'll just swap guys in and out when they have COVID. Like, I don't think they're really going to care if Ezekiel Elliott is playing or if Miles Sanders can play. They'll just say, you know what, next man up, and they'll play the game. I mean, that's just, the NFL is about the bottom dollar at the end of the day. That's what they're about. So you're right. It's not fair if the Eagles can't have fans at their games and Dallas were to get to play in front of a home stadium eight games out of the year. That's not fair. I just don't think the NFL is going to care at the end of the day. And I'd also say that from a from like an Eagles perspective, let's say the Eagles players don't feel comfortable going into the Dallas Cowboys stadium with, let's say it's even at 50% capacity, right? Like there's that to think about as well that, you know, players might not feel comfortable. The fans are making a decision to go on there on their own. And I know if you're outside and I'm not a doctor, but they've said if you're outside, it's far less likely you'll catch it than if you're inside. But if you're in a stadium regardless, and, you know, Carson Wentz just had a baby, right? Like Jason Kelsey has a kid that's very young. Um, you know, a lot, a lot of the players on the team do. So I, I just think it, it would be a tough spot for the players, but I don't think the league cares at all. I agree with you. I don't think the league cares at all. I think they're, you know, they're looking to recoup literally every single dollar they can get back that would be lost this season as a result of not being able to fill stadiums or whatever it is. Um, but at the same time, I think it's crazy. Like, I I, I think the, the, the concept as a fan of football that the Eagles could play the Dallas Cowboys here with no one in the stadium then go to Dallas and have a stadium full of Cowboys, I mean, that's Mickey Mouse to me. I mean, it's Mickey Mouse. It's a joke. And I understand that we're in a, a specific, unique time in history and – 
you know, you have to be willing to let certain things slide and say, all right, I understand. Like, like you said that players are going to get sick. This is going to happen. You're going to almost look injuries happen in football. We're going to be like, well, COVID happens in football too. And, and that's going to happen where you're going to have disadvantages because of that. But just the general basic level that a team could play in, in front of no fans at home versus going on the road to face a team full of fans. I don't know what the answer is because I agree with you. The NFL is going to get every dollar they, they can get, but that's, BS to me. It's Mickey Mouse. I think it's a joke. I don't take that serious. Like, I, that would be illegitimate to me. Like, if, if the Cowboys beat uh, the Eagles. I think you're taking it too far. Oh, on that. I mean, it's outrageous, though. I mean, think about how insane that is. The idea that you could go and you're right. And look, I'm not saying it would be illegit- illegitimate. Illegitimate's a step too far. Like, it's not like the game wouldn't count. But it's, I mean, it's a real reason to gripe about it. It's a real reason to to call the results into question and all that type of stuff. I mean, that well, is. That is a that's a major major competitive advantage. I mean, look, do you think as a and I know you were I believe at least a former high school football player. Damn so you're, right, you're, Elliot. Yeah. So, I mean, would you would you rather play in an away stadium with no fans or with fans? Like, I, I mean, I know you're getting booed, but this is all the players have really known. Like, maybe they'd feel more comfortable from a competitive standpoint. I mean. Like being in a place with well, fans. no, because you can sure. hear your calls and stuff like that. Like if you're an offense in an opposing stadium, you want to just be able to hear each other. That's the most important thing. Like that's far more yeah. valuable than the comfort of because because it's just as weird for the home team playing in front of an empty stadium too. Well, and so then again, not a doctor, but like we kind of talked at the beginning about how stuff's reopening and we each everyone listening and certainly us too, at least like have our own level of comfort and what you're willing to do now. Right. Like, but I think also at a certain point we are going to have to get used to the fact that what's, what's safe to do in Pennsylvania might not be what's safe to do in Florida. So if, if we trust if we trust people are doing things with things with the right intentions, like let's just, you know, pretend that we every you know what we hear is true and safe and everything. And if we think there can be fans at Eagles games, but not at Buccaneers games, like I don't know. I, I get the competitive part, but there's also the part of it of well, Eagles fans should be allowed to go to that game then. I, uh, like, see, I, I I disagree. I I I would. And again, what I'm about to suggest here will never happen because you're right. They will take every dollar they can. Even them just floating this idea shows that they don't care about what I'm about to say, but I would limit it. Like I would say, all right, whatever is the least amount of people that can fit in a stadium. Let's say Tampa Bay is the worst hotspot. Sorry, Tampa Bay. I hope this is not true, (laughs) but let's say Tampa Bay is the worst hotspot in America come football season. And, and they're the spot and they can, they can have 5% of fans in and everyone else can have it. Sorry, go by Tampa Bay's rules. Like that would be my point is like, the whatever the lowest threshold is for any stadium in the country, that's the threshold. Like it is unfair for any team to have more if the other team can't do it too. Like that's the way I but look at it. Just to play devil's advocate sure. a little, I mean, I think we could all agree that Pennsylvania has been one of the best states in terms of managing this, right? Yeah, it seems absolutely. like certainly certainly at least a state and then from a city level with Philly being one of the larger cities in the country. So I don't know. Maybe you should they get re- should Eagles fans who have you know practiced safe social distance <laughs> like I mean seriously I don't know like should they be rewarded for it versus like places that have been openly reckless about it I I don't know I I, I don't think there's with with all of this there's not a great answer 
and the NFL is going to do what's what's right. Uh, sorry, <laughs> wow. What, what, what makes them do, the most money is what, what you meant. What's right for their pockets, yes, I should say. Yes. But I, I do think like we're going to have to get used to the idea that what's safe in one state is not safe in another, and that does apply to football in large crowds. Oh, I I agree with that, and and again, I understand that. My point is is I'm I'm talking about competitive fairness, and I'm saying I don't care what other states can do or not. You have to set a baseline, whatever the lowest state is. Again, if Tampa Bay says, all right, we can allow 10% of people in a stadium, that's the most we can allow, then every stadium is 10%. Like, no one can go over that. Uh-huh. That's the way I would do it. And obviously, they're not going to. Agree. Well, what if I, what if I told you that by going by your way, the salary cap would dip $40 million in 2021? If going from, you know, each Again, state, I think uh, the NFL is going to do it that way, but I, I'm talking about strictly about competitive fairness. Right, what like, would you do? That's nothing else question. matters. Like, I, my point is, like, in terms of, if we're talking about the, I'm talking about the integrity of the game, integrity of the sport that is being played, competitive fairness, nothing matters more than that. Like, well, but I don't know. I mean, if you had to rank these three things, right? Uh, salary I'm, I'm not talking about from an NFL perspective, from, like, I'm talking about strictly as a, 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 a what is the, the fairest thing to do from a, a sports uh, a, a fan of athletic competition? I know, I, I get that, but I just think that's, I think it's both at the bottom of the totem pole, and I think there's an argument to be made it belongs at the bottom of the totem pole when we're talking about salary cap implications, health, ability for fans to enjoy the game. Like, at the end of the day, well, I think the health, competitive- health, we shouldn't have anyone in the stadiums. We want to be real about it. Like, right? I mean, if we want to be- I don't, I don't, I don't know. Healthiest, just- the healthiest, the no doubt about it. And, it, you know, and I'm not saying you can't be, but the single healthiest thing they could do is not have people in the stadiums, period. I mean, let's be yeah, real. Yeah, well, I mean- and now, now we're saying that, but I don't know. Come October, November, I just don't know. Well, I mean, no, look back you, in- no, no, no. I'm saying this like, look, obviously, right? I mean, like, even if there's two people who get COVID from going to a game, that's healthier than zero. You understand what I'm saying? I'm saying like, on yeah, a basic right. level, the healthiest thing they can do, the safest thing they can do, is not allow fans in the stadium. Period. I mean, that right. is on a basic level. Yes, but and I I do agree with that. I I guess, but my point is the competitive advantage. First of all, I think. You seem to think it's more of a competitive advantage than I do. I think it's definitely slightly unfair and it sucks, but I don't think it's game altering. But I think competitive advantage just needs to be placed aside at this point. Well, like I think- and I think there's a lot of people who believe that 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 because of COVID, it's just a weird year and you just got to do what you got to do. Right. I, I get that, but that doesn't mean that my belief in in my being isn't that I think this is unfair and they shouldn't do it this way. Well, I mean. I don't know if this Again, is. Yeah, what do I care if the NFL makes more money from Gate? They can afford it. They're all billionaires. Like they're they're well, buying their franchise isn't going down that much. Like, like what do I care? I, I don't know. You say that, but like, and this might not be an apples to apple comparison, but look how much the money is messing things up in baseball. Like, do do you really want the NFL? To take a massive hit, and again, I want everybody to be safe. That's well, my top. Not point. an app, not an apples to apples comparison, but yeah, I, look, let's put it this way: I think the NFL can afford to take the hit more yeah, than any of the other true. leagues. That's probably true. Yeah. Yes, but look, I think it's a fascinating discussion, and I, I'm I'm in, interested. Yeah, man, especially with like training I'm camp. Intrigued and, to, look, I think teams will fight against it. Like I think that every single team that's in an area that is, you know potentially not going to be able to have fans in the stadiums will vote against this or fight against this. So I think it's going to be a really fascinating discussion. Um, look, Mike Tomlin came out and was angry about competitive balance and competitive fairness with teams being able to report to their training facilities compared to other teams. Like, what do you think the yeah. guy's going to think about 
full stadiums or not. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, so I, I think right, but this is a good example of the NFL just literally not caring. I, uh, look, I agree. Yeah. In the end, the NFL is going to do whatever the hell they want to do, and it doesn't matter. I'm just saying that, like, it's not something that's going to go by without people being upset about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And well, I, look, and like I said, I think I do think training camp starts on time. But one interesting thing, and I touched on a little there, is what you're seeing with the NBA. And I don't know if you've seen in the end the MLB yet or in the NHL. And if it, it has, I apologize for not knowing about it. But I mean, with the NBA, certain players are deciding not to go for health reasons or at least for, yeah. I mean, I think or, Trevor or, you know, they're not a free agent at the end of the year and they don't want yeah. to risk the injury. Sure. It'll be interesting to see if any, if the NFL players, we haven't got to the point where there's that kind of union versus league debate. And I think part of that is just because the NFL union it's is not close to as strong so as the, yeah, yeah, totally. But I mean, I don't know, two weeks out, it'll be interesting to see if players don't want to go or if that kind of thing happens. So uh, just real quick before we move on, and I, we're just guessing here, but 1% to 100%, what do you think the chances are on the date training camp is supposed to start, they start? It's a great question. Uh, I'll say I think 10% they start on time. Oh, wow. We're way off. I was going to go like 60%. Wow. Yeah, I, yeah, just, I, think I don't see how it's time. feasible. I don't but 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 to your point, I should probably make it more like twenty or thirty, just because, like you point out, the NFL is just gonna barrel forward and they're not right. gonna care what's in their way. So you're right; it's probably higher than ten percent. That's unfair. I mean, look, last year in the playoff game, Eagles fans know this, and I know this. This is also not apples to apples, but like the NFL had a playoff game last year with look at the Eagles, like Deontay Burnett, Rob, like they don't care; they're just gonna put the games on TV and have whoever's out there healthy play. And I think that's a messed up way to do it. But the NFL is really not going to care if by week four, the Eagles are starting 11 new players because of COVID. It'll just be an interesting plot line for them throughout the week. Like, I, I think the NFL, unless it gets so bad that the public and just, like, honestly, maybe even, like, the government steps in, but I don't think they're going to care about the fact that players will be swapping in and out. I agree. I agree. I think they care about one thing above all else, Elliot. Um, all right. Quickly, before we get out of here, you mentioned it before, and I thought, you know, kind of the – Something we just kind of rolled over, but um, you did your top 10 current Philadelphia Eagles. And you mentioned it before just in passing, but I think having Zach Ertz at the top of the list while he is very high on my list, like, I think that's a pretty bold statement. Zach Ertz, your number one Eagle. Tell us about your top 10 Eagles. So I've been doing this for four years, and I'm now able to look back and see where guys have been, which is kind of cool like i'm able to, so for everyone that says i hate carson wentz he was my number one player three years in a row before he broke his back so everybody can basically shut the fuck up with Hater. that but like yeah so here's my argument for it's his number one i think when you look at the eagles over the last three years and certainly last four years but the number one thing for them i think has been inconsistency in 2017 they were obviously very good but outside of that it's been, you know, Lane Johnson's great, but he misses four games. Uh, Fletcher Cox was amazing up until 2019. And I think we can all agree last year his offseason injury impacted his regular season. Brandon Graham at points plays like a top three defensive end. Other times, like Cox, he, he's had down years. Ertz is the only one to me that has not, that, that isn't among the elite level players on the team that has not had a down year. He's always healthy, or at least he almost always plays. He's incredibly consistent. He is a huge part of the offense, and we can, you know, we all look at how they need help on offense. He's been their best player on offense, I think, over the last three years. Like, so I think Ertz is comfortably going into 2020 
the earned has deserved the title of the best player on the team. I, I love it. I think it's a, a strong take. We both uh, I made a top ten list too. Um, why don't we just go through our top ten? Give me your. Get, why don't you give me your top? I was thinking we would go back and forth, but I think it's a little less fun because let's be real. I be mean, confusing. yeah, and yeah. and not just confusing. I mean. It's going to be almost the exact same 10 on both our lists. You know, maybe there's one player different or whatever, but a lot of these guys deserve to be on the top 10 list. So it's going to be kind of where they place. Well, let me ask you this before we start. Yes. And I don't care if you haven't. Have you, have you seen my top 10 list? You sent it to me. Oh, yeah. You're right. Yes. <laughs> okay. So, so I go. have seen All right. it. All right. Um, so, but it was a quick perusal. It was not like a, you sent it to me in a text. I looked at it. I didn't really analyze it. All right, so the guy that's in my top 10 that was the closest to not being in there at number 10 is Rodney McLeod. He kind of got in for some of the same reasons Ertz got number well, one. Well, he is in, right? You said closest to not being in. He is in. That's oh, what I'm saying. Closest to he, not being in. Got you, got you. Yeah. I honestly almost put Dallas Goddard there, but I just didn't feel right. I feel like McLeod's played at a higher level for longer and had a pretty good year last year, stayed healthy, did miss the one year. But So I have him at number 10. Who's your 10? Uh, so we are going to buy for my number ten is Brandon Graham. Actually, I had Rodney McLeod. Um, and again, we're talking. I'm talking about not like what they are as an all-time eagle or whatever. Like right now, like best player, I have Brandon Graham at number ten. I have McLeod at eleven and Goddard at twelve. So, so both your guys okay. are considering for ten. We're right there for me. All right. So now that I know your tenth is, maybe I will just go right through my list. Yeah, and just you go through, and then we'll go back. I think that's better. Okay. So I had Rodney McLeod at number ten, Darius Slay at number nine. Now. I'll give a bit of a note on each. I acknowledge Darius Slay is probably better than the ninth best player on this yes, team. I but he hasn't played that. for the team yet. He hasn't played in the defense. So I, that's my reason for having him lower. That's the only reason. Uh, I have Brandon Brooks at eight. I had him there before the injury. I don't know if you took that into consideration. I, I put him on my list, but like I just said, if McLeod would be my 11. So if you want to take Brooks off the list, just move everyone up in back of him yeah. in theory. All right. So I had Brandon Graham at seven. Um, I think he's a very, very good player and also somewhat consistent, but I just, I don't know if he's as big of a game changer as the guys that are ahead of him. So Brandon Graham for me is number seven, Lane Johnson, number six. I think he's still one of the best tackles in the league. Definitely the best right tackle in the league. This is the stretch to me, but I'm confident doing it. I have Miles Sanders at number five. Oh, buddy. I, I'm projecting here. I mean, in 2016, I put Carson Wentz at number one. Um, but like, I think Miles Sanders, to me, is already an elite running back. I think you can make the argument he's the second-best receiver on the team behind Ertz, especially when with Deshaun's health problems he had last year. Uh, he's a game-changer. As much credit as Wentz gets for helping to carry the team, and he deserves it towards the end of last year, Miles Sanders was a huge part of them coming back as well. Um, so I think he's already one of the best players in the Eagles. He's incredibly important. I think the running back is becoming a more important position, or at least having one of those elite-level guys. So I have him at five. Fletcher Cox at four because he's coming off of a down year, um, but still obviously an elite-level player. Carson Wentz for me is three. And I don't think he's better at quarterback than Fletcher Cox is at being a defensive tackle. But I think you have to take – Yeah, it doesn't matter. Quarterback's more important. That, that, right. That's the way I did my list. I didn't – like yeah. I did my list most important. My best yeah, most so important. And for what it's worth, last year I had him at number six. So big jump for him. And he deserves it. He played all 16 games. He, towards the end, carried them to the playoffs. Now, I, I do think at the end of – I do think he was did not play as well the first two months of the season as people give him credit for. But I, the last month of the season was really, really good. So he's third. Jason Kelsey's number two for a lot of the reasons. Ertz is number one. I just gave Ertz the bump. 
because he's been doing it longer, and I think, although Kelsey's pretty important, but um, I, I just put Ertz at number one. Okay. Uh, similar names, slightly different listing. I have Brandon Graham at 10, so a little bit lower than you. Yeah. Uh, the one name that I have on my list that is not on yours, I have Javon Hargrave at number nine. I think, fair. I think he's a stud. I, I, That's fair. I, the more I watch, the more I get excited about Javon Hargrave. I'm really excited for that guy. Uh, I have Miles Sanders at eight. I think five's a little high for him. I do agree with everything you said about him in terms of the upside, the potential, but I need to see it a little bit more before he enters my top five in the Eagles. Um, I had Darius Slight at number seven, so slightly higher than you did. I think, again, uh, an immediate uh, Pro Bowl type player potentially like all pro is the ceiling yeah you know that type of player i had brandon books at six again if you want to take him out you can move everyone up a list but i think one of the best guards in football i have your number one at number five or it's number five but again my, my top five honestly very interchangeable i think really you could argue all five in one way or another could be number one on i, I a wonder certain if your list. number one's gonna be but go ahead just wait go ahead. Uh, yeah. I have Lane Johnson, number four, uh, okay. best right tackle in football, in my opinion, I think, you know, elite type player. I have Fletcher Cox and number three, elite defensive tackle. Um, number two, for all the reasons you said, I, I have Jason Kelsey also as my number two player, all pro. I mean, three time all pro. And yeah. I look, I think, uh, obviously I am higher on Carson Wentz than you are. Not the, again, you are higher, obviously as, as people know, after last season, all that, you're, you're higher than you've been. But, um, I just look, if, if a quarterback is, of a certain level, he's always going to be number one on any of these lists for any team. For me, I just think it's the most important position in the sport by far. And I think Wentz is deserving of being called the best player on the team because he's a quarterback. Um, yeah. So the quarterback's going to be number one for me there. And I don't dispute that that much. I think that his position certainly weighs him higher up because of that. So I was debating this with Ike Reese of 94BIP and of the LTBB president. Um, yeah, they, they, so. They, top dog as far as yeah he is he's the top dog so i was debating this with him like i think you could find people out there that would say kelsey's the best center in the league that zach Ertz is the best tight end fletcher cox is the best defensive tackle lane johnson's the best right tackle brandon brooks is the best right guard i think those would be like the guys right I don't think even if you take Patrick Mahomes out of it, and I say, but to look, be fair, it's unlikely the Ertz thing. I think most people would say Kettler or, or Kittle or right. Kelsey, but I'm with right. you. Yes, I just I don't think anybody that's being like completely unbiased would argue for Carson being a top three quarterback in the league right now. I think the highest you could realistically five. say five is the best. Is you could five yeah. right? So and I have meant like seven, six, seven. I I, I battle with it. Right. And I agree with you. Like his, his job is harder than everybody else's. He is an incredibly important player. He's the most important player on the Eagles, especially now that they had, don't have Nick Foles. Right. But I think you have to give like Ertz, Kelsey and those guys credit for being at the top of their position in the league. Now you're right. Kittle and you know, Kelsey or, or Travis Kelsey are maybe probably ahead of Ertz, but Ertz has played right with him the last four years. You can't say that for, for Carson with the other guys. So that's why I put Carson third. I did weigh his position in doing so. I just can't weigh it enough to put him ahead of Ertz and Kelsey. But look, if Wentz has a strong year next year, he'll definitely go up to number one. Oh, for sure. Look, like you said, after 2017, he was number one, and there was no question about it. Or, you know, in right. 2017, he was number one. Yeah, I mean, he was he was number one on my list after he tore his ACL. And I think going into this, yeah, and then going into the next year. So it was really only after he broke his back that I had to, 
had to knock him down a little. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a fun list. It actually it made me feel more optimistic about the Eagles in honesty. Um, like seeing Darius Slay at number nine on your list, I'm like, oh, he just came from a team where he's like top four. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so like it did. Again, I I have been I think more pessimistic than than some about the Eagles this year, certainly than I was last year, but. Making the list did make me feel good. It's like they they still we talk a lot about the holes and sometimes forget about the the high end guys they do have. Yeah, and like real quick, just on this, I mean, when I look at some of these power rankings around the league, and like I see a few that have the, the Colts ahead of the Eagles, the Raiders, like just some of these teams where, like, if you're gonna have the Dallas Cowboys at number four in the league or five, then the Eagles have to be one spot below them. Like I, I think the Cowboys are better right now, but. Look, the Eagles have been one of the best franchises in the league for the last three seasons. I think they're I think they're one of only four teams that have been in the playoffs the last three years. Like this team's, d- despite the holes that they do have, and obviously we re- we record a pod and talk about them all the time, so we're well aware of the holes. But they are the the floor for this team is like eight wins, in my opinion, even with a tough schedule. I love that. I I mean, do you disagree? I I don't yeah, think. Doug, I mean, I think I the floor the floor is lower than that. Win. The floor is lower right. than that. I, I think it's lower than that. I mean, I think I think the floor is six and ten. I don't expect it happening, oh. but I think look with Carson few, playing the whole season. I I think with a few injuries here or there, like a, a really tough schedule, maybe seven and nine. Maybe I'm just one game below you. I agree though. I I think the heart of what you're saying is fair, and, and I agree. They're, 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 they have a certain level of wins they will get to because of the organization they are, and because of the quarterback and head coach they have. I I would almost bet my life that from here on out. If Carson plays 16 games, obviously Doug and Howie are there for all 16 games. But if, if that trio is there, the Eagles will never win less than seven games in a season. I love and it. I, maybe I say love eight. this. I mean, the schedule is tough. I'll say that. But again, like, and yeah, they need help at receiver. Carson's been inconsistent, all these things. Like, they've still been in the playoffs the last three years. So I, I just I don't I think that's just what their floor is with with Doug as a head coach and if Carson in a competent quarterback. So if Carson's healthy, they have one. Now the issue is I don't know if they have one behind him now, just because Jalen is is a rookie and I was big on Nate before, but who knows at this point. Um, so that would be my concern. But as long as Doug has a competent quarterback and how he's the GM, I don't think they'll ever, you know, win win less than seven or eight. I love games. it. I love look at this. Elliot Positive Short Parks. I love Pop this. Comment section with that yeah. one. Yeah, Elliot So Short Parks. I like it. <laughs> there you <laughs> go. There All you right. Go. Um, it's good. You got anything else in your mind tonight, Al? Um, yeah, real quick. So we're doing the, the goat on Broad Street. Yes. Uh, thing. And look, I'll be honest in saying that, you know, I don't go back and look at like old time Eagles football that much. Realistically, for me, my like knowledge and Real in-depth knowledge. Oh, we, we know. We know you don't like yeah. things before you know yeah. a certain time. And that's just really with all walks of life. But So I'm writing the Reggie White thing for uh, Wednesday. He's going to be the number three athlete on the list. His stats were just simply mind-boggling. Oh, it's unbelievable. I mean, it's, it's truly unbelievable. I mean, you know, he had two and a half sacks in his first NFL game. He had 18 sacks in 12 games one year. Yeah. He had... I think at least 11 sacks every season he was with the Eagles. More sacks than games played. I mean, it's just... He's the second best defensive player in the history of football. Yeah, I mean, I'm assuming you're putting Lawrence Taylor number one. Lawrence Taylor number one. Yeah, Yeah. and I think that's probably correct, but I will say, man, a defensive end that's going to get you two sacks a game, that's... (laughs) 
I mean, that's pretty big. And I know Lawrence Taylor is obviously amazing as well. But, um, but yeah, so that would just be my, my football last take. And then I have a, uh, I have a TV take for you to Ooh, end it. Ooh, lay it on me. So I watched the full season of The Politician in one day. Did the you really? <laughs> Did you really? Season. I'm yeah. uh, I'm four episodes in. Quick complaint: seven episodes, really? It's weak. Yeah, that is lame. lame. I I don't think COVID had. And one of them's like 37 minutes long. I was like, what? Yep. Yeah, Not I agree. Cool. Seven seven's disappointing. This brings me to my other take, which I texted you, but. I think that any TV series that comes out. Oh, God, not this take. Yeah. Any TV series that that comes out on the same day. So, like, all the episodes at once. And I think normally we're talking, you know, somewhere between 10 and, or, you know, 8 and 10 episodes, right? Those should not be, those should be at the Oscars. Like, when when I'm comparing, like, that's where they should be. They should not be at, what's the TV one? The Golden Globes or whatever? Emmys. The Emmys? Okay. They, they should not be in that category. Like, you're ba- the politician is basically a movie. It's basically a movie, right? I mean, it's shot in the same way a movie is. It's one, you know, it's it's got a similar, I would say, plot level to movies. Like, to, to compare it to shows, and I don't really like a ton of network shows, but to shows that do 24 episodes where they're also shooting them, like, as the season's going on, I just don't think you can compare it. You, you can't even compare I agree it. with the idea that you can't compare like Big Bang Theory to Politician or whatever. You can compare these 22 episode, whatever, Law and Order SV or whatever, but it's not a movie either. Like it's a different thing. I think that's- It's way what, closer to a movie though. It's, it's a miniseries. It's, you know, that's essentially what it is. It's a, it's, it's not a movie. Like you can compare it to like a, a ninety minute romp, like you know what I mean? Like how can you compare? Yeah, but to like that? I don't. I mean, first of all, those movies are never really winning awards anyway. But like Little Little Fires Everywhere with wow. Re, with Reese Witherspoon, that was on Hulu recently. Like that was, I think, six episodes, seven episodes. Like that's basically a movie too. Like it's, I don't know. I, I just think it's it's an unfair compet. It's like an unfair competitive advantage for them at the Emmys. I think they should be they should be up with the big boys. They should be at the Oscars. Sure. I, I I disagree. I'm gonna let this one slide because right, I don't fair. I don't I don't feel like arguing it with you. Well, everyone should go watch the politician. I've had such a good time. Really I don't want to argue. I will co-sign the politician and Watchmen. If you haven't watched Watchmen, you're missing out. I haven't watched Watchmen. Yeah, you, I have. You should. I mean, it's kind of like superhero-y, right? No, it's supposed it, like it's based on a superhero story, but it's not at all. It's like almost like a. It's unlike any superhero thing I've ever seen. Like it's it's dark, it's gritty. It's not like it's not a right. superhero type thing. It's actually very prescient. Like it has a lot to do with racial injustice. There are big parts about people wearing masks. Like it's actually pretty crazy how uh, of the moment it is, considering it was made like you know two years ago. Right. Or whatever. So, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll give it a yeah, shot. Yeah. I have a lot yeah. of documentaries lined up, but after that, like Elliot Tur Park's doc guy. Yeah, I'm a just. You know, I like to learn. That's really what it is. I'm just a big learner. He's so. such a learner. Yeah. All right. All right. This has been fun. Um, we will barter it. I'm sure back next week with the dulcet tones. You don't have to hear me attempt to uh, <laughs> recreate it. Um, this is fun, buddy. Have, uh, I appreciate it. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. All right. I will. Hey, what was Barchard say? As they say in the old country. That's true. Well, we'll get there. So, uh, thank you for listening. How about this? Thank you for listening to episode 199 of the Go Birds podcast. For Elliot Shore Parks, I'm James Seltzer. As they say in the old country, Go Birds. Go Birds.